Welcome to Financial Wellness at Work, the only podcast devoted to sharing the stories of everyday employees who have transformed their financial lives by giving financial coaching a try. Welcome to Financial Wellness at Work. I'm Liz Davidson, your host, and I have with me today Carl Nassib, seven-year veteran of the NFL and one of the players that really has helped affect a major cultural shift among NFL players. And I think it's trickling down to other professional athletes and hopefully, you know, regular people, right? And that shift is... About a decade ago, and then going even back further, the NFL was known for having a lot of big spending among its players. And it was not cool to really save your money and do the prudent thing, right? It was cool to go out and buy the champagne and all of that. So you've seen this shift. And I'd love you to talk about where things were when you started and where you see things today and how that culture has changed. And then how do you think that can be a good example for especially younger generations? Yeah, absolutely. In terms of getting them, you know, the momentum to change their finances. Totally. I think that, you know, football players and everyone who watches football has seen kind of the horror stories of NFL players and other athletes really mismanaging their money and not understanding the limitations of your career and how the money really can dry up quickly if you're not managing it correctly. And I think that we've learned the stories, we've heard the horror stories and people are, you know, catching on. So I've been, you know, talking to a lot of players. They've been really responsive. We've learned, I think it's all about educating ourselves, really taking, you know, the onus and putting it on ourselves to educate ourselves and to be role models for financial wellness, not just for being role models of athleticism and sports, but, managing your money because you're right. It isn't just specific to professional athletes. It's a lot of people in various industries really mismanage their money. And that's where your services come in. So I just think that it's a good shift. And I think it's a much needed cultural shift to financial wellness and not the extreme wild spending that we've seen in the past. Yeah. And you yourself have been part of this shift. So who inspired you to really look at money? I mean, you've looked at this as seed capital yeah. and you're now starting your own company. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, using some of that yeah. capital and then you're doing a lot of philanthropy. Absolutely. So your life is so much better sure. and you built this, you know, nest egg. So who inspired you? What inspired you to become sort of an ambassador? Because absolutely. you've, been, you've yeah. been preaching to your teammates for a while. Yeah, right? absolutely. So what really changed my mind and changed the way I looked at finances and the opportunities that were given to me by being so lucky and being able to be in the NFL was this is just an opportunity to not just help yourself, but help others and set yourself up or down the line. So a friend of mine gave me a book by Tony Robbins. And then I read all of his books and I understood the power of compounding, which I never knew existed. It's a, what do they say? It's like a wonder of the world. world. Yeah. Yeah. So not a lot of people know about it. So I was just so excited to talk about it. So excited to learn about it. And it's really benefited me a lot. And I think that it can benefit a lot of other guys and the mindset of not being scared about losing the money, but being excited about the opportunity to make your money work for you. 
I think we're seeing that a lot more with players, especially with off-the-field endeavors. I started a company a couple of years ago. We launched last week. It's called Raise, and it's really been you know such an exciting journey for me to do something that I'm super passionate about that involves philanthropy, that involves business and being an entrepreneur is something, you know, just a lot of different things outside of the football field. I'm not super specific. There's a lot of guys out there doing a lot of different things. I have teammates that own multiple gyms. I have teammates that have their own brands. And I'm just really happy to see this cultural shift taking form and becoming the norm. Yeah. Got it. Well, we have with us today, Doug Spencer, a certified financial planner, one of our managers and senior financial planners and has been very, very involved in our relationship with professional athletes and coaching them around all aspects of finances and then helping us take those insights and parlay them into helping you know the vast majority of Americans that aren't superstar athletes. So with that, Doug, I'd love to hear from you some of your stories and the insights from those. Yeah. Well, thanks for having me, Liz. You know, like Carl said he's a seven-year veteran in the league. Well, I'm a nine-year veteran of financial finesse. You got to be, man. Yeah, yeah. Hey, I've been doing this for 23 years. I know, yeah. So, I mean, you guys can add your numbers together and you still don't. We got the queen. We got the queen. Yeah. But yeah, so for several of those years, been quite involved with our relationship with the NFL Players Association and and the trust for former NFL players, as well as a few other professional sports organizations. And You know, I've definitely seen this shift that Carl is talking about as well, because, you know, when we first started this, most of the folks who reached out to us or who were referred to us were really kind of in a position where they were struggling with things. And now it's the vast majority of people that I've been talking to lately. It's how do I optimize? And it's, it's really about helping people figure out what their goals are and how they can live their best life. You know, like, like Carl was saying, he's starting his business. Well, you know, I've talked to some of these guys that they don't necessarily want to start a business, but they want to be able to kind of have a second career where they don't have to have a whole lot of income. So for those folks, we were really focused on building like a traditional investment portfolio, you know, like, kind of building their, for lack of a better term, retirement accounts, heavy in in stocks and bonds and this type of thing. But then on the flip side, you know, like you were talking about your business and I've seen so many players now, like you said, starting businesses or their brands. One guy that this always sticks out to me, you know, his agent had him call me, you know, right as they were getting ready for the draft. And he was like, yeah, it's like, my projections, like sixth, seventh round, maybe undrafted free agent, which is how he got into the league. And his attitude was, you know, he had the right thing if I want to optimize this. Got it. And he was totally focused on, so I've got to invest this money. And he's like, what should I be investing in? Well, the more we talked and asked questions, turned out what this gentleman really wanted to do, his primary focus in life was to become a pastor. And he's like, so I'm going to make a lot of money in the NFL and I'm going to make next to no money as a pastor. But he's like, but I got to get through seminary. And what I really want to do is be able to buy a house. He said, if I'm blessed enough to play in the league forever, I don't have to worry about it. I was like, okay, but what if you don't play for it? You know, and he's like, I want to make sure I can go to seminary and buy a house. Incredible. And so that's how we built his plan 
was he didn't invest. He just saved until he got to, you know, accomplishing those goals. And he didn't play very long in the league, a little less than two seasons. Gotcha. But he was able to do that and invest a little bit of money. Good. But, you know, for him, like I said, what worked for him wouldn't necessarily work for some other folks. But it's being able to, like I said, it's just really seeing that shift. They're looking to optimize instead of just, oh, you know, oops, I made a mistake. So I think there's one really important thing here, which is living your purpose, right? So. Mm-hmm. I know that that may sound incredibly aspirational, depending on where you are in the financial spectrum. Like if you're just, you know, I think we've all been there. If you're just barely making ends meet, you're like, okay, I don't even know what my purpose is. What are you talking about? But what money does and what financial coaching does is ultimately gets you to be financially independent. And once you're financially independent, you can do jobs that you would pay to do because they are that fulfilling and they're really you know, connected with why you believe you're on this earth, you know, and they're connected to making positive change. And, you know, one thing we're seeing more and more of as we're having these retirement conversations, because interestingly, retiring from football, you could be Gen Z and retire from football, right? Retiring, you know, obviously with most employees who are considerably older, but is having that idea of, what if money wasn't an object, what would you do? And in many cases, it's very doable to get to that place. But once you have that North Star, it's much, much easier to plan. So very, very cool to hear he's doing what he loves now, right? Being a pastor and, Mm -hmm. you know, potentially having more fulfillment than he ever had on the field. And Doug said something smart. He was talking about what their goals are. Because I've had a lot of players ask me, what should I do, you know, with this? What my, you know, strategy should be? And I've even have guys who are just, you know, twenty-year-old operations guys that you know check people in at the desk, and they ask me, "Hey, Carl, I got a couple extra thousand dollars. Like, what should I do?" My first question is, "What are your goals?" And nine times out of ten, they don't know what their goals are. So I think you know, goal setting is something athletes do every single day. And I think that once people set their financial goals. And have those in mind constantly every time they make a purchase, every time they invest. That's just psychologically rewarding to make measurable steps towards that goal. And then what you said about you know living your purpose is really resonates with a lot of different people because a lot of people find fulfillment outside of their job, right? Their job is the way to you know put food on the table, keep the lights on. And then they can find fulfillment outside of it. And just, you know, the man you referenced, I think that he did that and was able to piggyback from the NFL to something that brought him a lot of fulfillment and allowed him to live his purpose. So, Doug, I'd like to talk about the opposite end of the spectrum, because I think a lot of times when we talk about our work with professional athletes, people are yeah. interested because every most people are sports fans. Sure. But mm-hmm. they say, well, OK, you know, nice problem to have to have this big contract, right? So this is not really relatable. But the reality is you've worked with players and former players that have been in deep levels of debt and helped get them out and get them to financial stability. So would love to hear, you know, some of the work you've done there, some of the stories and Mm -hmm. any insights you have for anyone that might be facing that situation. Okay. Well, I've got a couple and I've I want to do two because I think there's kind of different insights from them. the first is one gentleman I worked with who was a former player and he had set himself up pretty well, or at least 
at least he thought so initially, but he was one of these guys who didn't scale back his spending when he got out of the league. And so the money kind of disappeared more quickly than he thought, but he did have some money coming in. Well, anyway, when he contacted us, he was at a point where his credit was pretty much trash. And some of it was his debt. Some of it was there were errors on his credit report that he didn't know about. He didn't know how to dispute. So, and it was causing a lot of strain in his marriage. So what he did is, you know, he contacted us and we spent several months going through a lot of stuff, but he didn't have, to Carl's point, he didn't have a goal or a plan for his money. Yeah. So, we, okay, the goal is, you know, we're going to get this debt paid off and we're going to improve your situation. And over the course of about not not quite a year, nine months to a year, we were able to clean up a bunch of errors on his credit report. We were able to get his debt not quite paid off, but significantly paid down to where it's like, hey, I can breathe again. I've got a little bit sure. of extra cash. And, you know, and that was great. And so just him taking that time to really come up with the plan and have a spending plan or a budget, which we know is a dirty word, but, you know, he did that hard work and that enabled him to be financially independent in terms of he could pay his debts. He could get back on track. Now, I imagine it it, helped his marriage as well. Well, so here's the thing. I will say it helped, but unfortunately, it honestly was beyond the point of no return. But this is the big thing to me. This is how you know we didn't rehearse ahead of time. (laughs) Right. No, but he, so they did end up divorcing, Mm. but this is the difference is before he probably would have been on the street. You know, it's like he would have, he would have been in very, very tough circumstances and there's no way he could have stayed in the neighborhood where their house was. What was most important for him was maintaining a role in his children's lives. And so what we were able to do is because he now had good credit and he had some cash flow, he could afford to get a place, you know, not too far away and maintain his role as an active father. And so it was that him being proactive and reaching out to us and creating that budget and that plan to get his debt paid off even though it wasn't like the fairy tale Hollywood ending, he was able to accomplish his primary goal of staying a part of his kids' lives. And the so the way more than I, money. This is about way more than money. Yeah, this right. is about family and life and you know parenting and everything. So and it's interesting. You know, I really thought, wow, this fixes the marriage. Sometimes, like you mm-hmm. said, it's too far gone. But you still can salvage so much. I think that is just a story that is like what financial is all about. Is about like the realization that financial stress spills into every other aspect yes. of your life. Yes. And people don't realize it. Really, like, I mean, I guess like most people can understand like the feeling of like financial stress and it always kind of sticks with you. So I think that like is why it's so important to have financial wellness too. No matter how, you know, matter how much you make. Doug, I don't know if you heard this statistic or either heard this statistic, but I read recently that. Income earners of two hundred fifty thousand dollars 
a third of them are living paycheck to paycheck. Yes, we must have read the same thing. <laughs> yeah, isn't that, yeah. isn't that insane? That like, it's not just NFL players. People are, you know, making money to spend money. So that is absolutely shocking to me. And what you said about, you know, NFL players, like, oh, it doesn't matter. You get this big check and you blow it. That's your fault. Well, what, you know, that is a story that, you know, and that's a feeling that a lot of people have. Yes. A lot of people have that. Well, they don't care. But my response to that would be NFL players and public figures are role models for a lot of young kids. If you're being a bad role model financially, that spills over into your your public image. And that really shows young kids that that's what success looks like. Success looks like you're blowing your money every chance that you get. That's not what success looks like. We talk about buying properties over bottles. Like that's what success is. So I think that, you know, my response to people who say, who cares about these NFL players? Like, I think that everybody should. I think not everybody, but like, I think that, you know, it would make a lot of sense to want to change this narrative, change the culture to having financially savvy role models for kids. these are the heroes of the next generation, right? Yeah, totally. And so having guys like you and Brandon Copeland and Marshawn Lynch come out and say, hey... You know, you have to save your money. This is yeah. your future and you can build a brilliant life after football. That could be even better totally if you do this right. And one thing I want to address, because I know that historically there's been the thought, and you've heard this from teammates, that if you're chained to a paycheck, you know, you're going to work harder on the yeah. field. Yeah. But what we know is when you look at the impact financial stress has yeah. on mental health, as well as your body. You're releasing cortisol, which is totally. a hormone that is the fight or flight hormone. Fine for you know major events where you need adrenaline, but to have that in your body day after day because you're stressed about your sure. finances is wear and tear on your entire body, yeah. which is the opposite, opposite. opposite. of what it takes. Our job is stressful to, enough, to perform, and like right? we're like fight so, or flight constantly. We don't need the extra stress. You don't need the extra stress. And anybody who, if someone has a, a non-stressful job, they they want to keep that low level of stress. Yeah, that's makes so it's sense. it's. You know, obviously in the best interest of, you know, the NFL, as well as all sports organizations, as well as all employers to reduce that stress. I want to end on advice for, I mean, one thing that our relationship with the NFLPA and the NFL players has done is really get us insight into the next generation, right? So we have Gen Z coming in the workforce now. So wanted to get Carl from you some tips on, you know, how you feel that employers can engage Gen Z, right? Yeah. It's, it's, we know this is the generation of emojis and TikTok. Yeah. <laughs> so how do you really get Gen Z? And then also Doug would like your comments. And then I have some closing comments okay. on that, but you know, they're coming and, and they're going to be a big part of the workforce. In the Absolutely. Next few years. And I just really appreciate that. You think I am up to date with the Gen Z and that, I, that I'm, a, I'm a, millennial. a millennial. I'm a millennial. So like, He's not I, a geriatric millennial. No, I'm not. I'm close to it. Though. I'm close to it. Though. Hey, you, no, you're not. You haven't hit your age. Doesn't start with a three, right? No, not yet. Okay. Not yet. So, so right. I'm clinging on to my twenties. But what I've noticed from Gen Z is, you know, they have a they have a bad rap for some misconceptions. But my experience is that they're highly entrepreneurial. That they're highly interested in social causes. That they like cause marketing. They like doing business with companies that have a heart that aren't just about the bottom line, that don't exploit their employees, that don't exploit their patrons or customers or clients. So I think that having a culture in a workplace where it's evident that you're not 
exploitative, I think will really resonate with the younger generation because it's very transparent to know what is fair and what isn't fair with how much information is yeah. being shared between yeah. friends, family. People yeah. are talking about their finances a lot more and they'll say to like, wait, you're making this much and I'm, I'm working 60 hours a week and making half. So like, be transparent, be I, fair. Yeah. And I'm a big proponent of salary transparency because I come from an industry where everybody knows how much every single person is making. So I'll go to my friends, like, how much money do you make? And they're like, choked. And I, and it's just so normal for me, but like I have a company and I want everyone to know how much everybody's making because then there's no discrepancy with, you know, nepotism and all these different things. So that's just my opinion. But I think having a culture that is starkly different from exploitative will really resonate with this younger generation of they want to make a difference. They want to work for something that they're passionate about. They want to trust their employer. They definitely and if they do, you get huge dividends yeah. from them yeah. in terms of the work they're going to put in. This, I think there's a misconception that there's no more loyalty. Loyalty goes both ways. That's so good. If you yeah, extend loyalty, totally. you get loyalty back. That's great. I love that. So, Doug, I'd love to get yeah. your advice, especially as it comes to helping Gen Z employees from a financial wellness and overall wellness perspective. So if you could share some of your thoughts based on calls you've taken. Sure. I would say there's really two things that are a little bit different about Gen Z than maybe some previous generations, especially my Gen X and and older. One is they're more willing to reach out for help. You know, I think that a lot of us folks that are a little bit older, there's kind of whether it's machismo or pride or whatever, we're hesitant to reach out. And so many of the people, including NFL players that I've talked to, that had something pop up, it was really a simple fix. They just were afraid to reach out for the help. And Gen Z isn't that way. You know, I've, we're destigmatizing this, right? We're right. destigmatizing mental yes. health and I love financial it. health. I love it. Right. Thank yes. God it's yeah. about time. That's amazing. Yeah. Good My job. two daughters are Gen Z and they are much more open, they and their friends, about reaching out for that help when they need it. So I would say really promote the fact there is somebody there and that somebody's not going to judge you, whatever. They're there to be a resource. You know, use your resources is kind of a catchphrase I hear my daughters use a lot. So I think that's one thing is promote that. The other is make sure that the program's about financial independence. Like we talked about earlier, financial independence and living your best life and not totally geared at retirement. You know, most employers now have done a great job of kind of making retirement plug and play. You know, it's you come to the company and you're automatically invested in a target date fund and you're automatically set up on, you know, the automatic increase feature in your 401k. So most people, if they leave it alone and just keep letting that contribution to the 401k automatically increase each year, they're going to be fine. But what they need help with is the day-to-day how do I live my best life? How do I reach that goal? Yes. So the more that they can see financial wellness is how to live their best life and less worried about an event that's 40 years in the future, the more they're going to engage in. I love it. And I will just add very, very quickly, we are going to have some Gen Z employees that have gone through financial coaching share oh. their thoughts. But even to segue from that, so that'll happen in future episodes, to segue from that, And Carl is an example, even though he's a millennial, not Gen Z, is 
they are very influenced by their peers. So if you as an employer have employees that have participated in the financial coaching program or just mental well-being program even and, and are very happy with their results, in many cases, they'll want to pay it forward. They'll want to share, hey, you know, this is where I started. Everyone should do this. You know, I had this great success. And they'll become great ambassadors. And that's really what we've seen with players in football is these, you know, in many cases, big name players saying, you know what, I'm going to be an ambassador for this financial coaching program and for just financial wellness in general. And so if you can find those pockets of employees that are the early adopters, they listen to each other more than they listen to to you, more than listen to anyone, right? So best way to really get the engagement you're looking for. Absolutely. I love it. All right. Well, with that, I want to thank you all for listening. Stay tuned. Next time we will have an actual employee who has gone through the process, sharing their results as well as their advice for other employees. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to the Financial Wellness at Work podcast from Financial Finesse. Join us next time for more stories, inspiration, and tips on transforming your financial life and future.